Radio Mano Papachango. Dead people, guns, guns, cops, shooting, boom, boom, everybody's dead. What the fuck? San Bernardino this week, last week, Paris. Actually, every day there's this shit's going on in the U.S. I read today that there are more mass shootings in the U.S. than days so far in 2015. So, there you go. My opinion on this, for what it's worth, which is very little, um, is that there's confusion. There, there's I don't know to what extent it's um, intentional and to what extent it's just uh, a nature, the nature of the conversation. But I, one thing is the Second Amendment and the idea that uh, the populace needs to be armed to protect against a dictatorial government. All right. I can sympathize with that because there are dictatorial governments all over the world and uh, including our government is verging on dictatorial, certainly uh, incompetent, certainly unresponsive to the true needs of the citizenry, certainly uh, taking a huge amount of tax money and squandering it on unnecessary weapons programs that do nothing but enrich the people who own the companies that make those weapons, who happen to be, of course, friends and colleagues of the people in the government who make those decisions. And as soon as they get voted out or decide to retire and cash in on their congressional seat or their job as uh, uh, an aide to the uh, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee or uh, an undersecretary of defense, they go to work for General Electric and Raytheon and so on with huge, huge salaries. So we all know what's going on there. We all know that's corruption. We all know that's stealing public money and putting it into private pockets. So I sympathize with people who say we need to have a way to protect ourselves against uh, a government that goes out of control. But here's where things fall apart. You and a bunch of your redneck buddies out in Idaho are not going to assault the U.S. government and bring it down with a bunch of whatever, AK-47s and AR-15s. That's not going to happen. You are not going to be shooting down armored helicopters. You're not going to be taking out drones. You're not going to be, you know, repelling the fucking tanks that come to your compound. It isn't, that's a fantasy. That's a silly adolescent bullshit boy fantasy. That's not going to happen. So the best way to defend yourself against a dictatorial government, at least at this stage, at least at the stage where votes still sort of matter is to organize and to agitate and to march in the streets and to have hunger strikes and uh, refuse to you know boycott certain companies. Political organization is the only way to do anything because here's the thing. 
And this, again, this, there's so much overlap. I mean, I, I find it hard to dismiss these people because I do agree with them in so many things. I agree about the problem, but the solution that they're proposing is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And strangely, what it does is it disempowers them. They think they've got power. I, I've shot guns. I've got a scar in the middle of my forehead from the fucking gun that I scoped myself with a few weeks ago. It's an incredible sense of power to have a controlled explosion in your hand that you can direct wherever you want to direct it. That is an amazing, visceral, immediate sense of power. But it's no power to change the world. It's no power to change a government. It's no power at all when it's com- when you compare it with the millions of dollars that lobbyists are throwing around in Washington or whatever. So by giving you that immediate sense of power, what's actually happening is you're being distracted from something that could ultimately lead to a deeper, more meaningful power, which would be organizing, educating yourself, being smart, getting together with other people, finding ways to elect a new, a a better mayor, a better congressman, a better state senator, people at the local level who are actually responding to what needs to be done, not responding to companies who want to dump their shit in the river or frack the fuck out of your county or whatever it is. That is where you can actually change something. But by hiding out in your fucking trailer out in the middle of nowhere with your guns, you're not going to change shit. All you're going to do is kill some people, people who are just as fucked as you are. And of course, that's what the powers that be want. They want us fucking each other over so they can keep fucking us all. They want the blacks and the Jews and the Hispanics and the poor whites to all be fighting, hating each other, because that makes us all easier to handle. When we start to unite, when you start getting someone like Martin Luther King, who brings people together, who says, no, it's time to stop fighting. I want the Jews and the whites and the blacks to work together to actually change this company, actually company, this country, actually take back this country that everyone's always saying. Uh, That's when you get real trouble. That's when you get scared people worried about what real change would look like. And that's when you get assassinations, of course. And who do they send to assassinate him? Well, generally they find some dumb redneck with a gun who thinks he's doing the right thing. The fact is that we are like the ancient Greeks and there's Mount Olympus and up on Mount Olympus is where the gods live and that's where the decisions are made. That's where things are decided. And you and I, my friends, are never going to get up Mount Olympus no matter how hard we climb, no matter how many guns we've got in our basement. We're never going to be sitting at the table where the decisions are truly made. And of all the representatives, all the gods up on Mount Olympus who are making these decisions, we only have one even close to a representative, even someone who's even close to representing what we need to happen. And that is the government. General Electric doesn't give a fuck about you. Nor does Nike, nor does Google, nor does Apple, nor does Microsoft, nor do any of the big players, nor does fucking Zuckerberg or any of the other billionaires. So the 
of all the people who are sitting at that table, all the entities that are at the table where the decisions are made, the decisions about like, are we going to frack? Are we going to do the, the, the fucking Canadian tar sands and fuck up the rest of the world? Are we going to stop burning down the Amazon? Are we going to do something about carbon fucking uh, emissions that are destroying the planet? Where those decisions are getting made, there's only one, one entity at that table who even gives a slight shit about you and me, and that is a representative government. And we're losing that. We're losing that because we're not participating. Less than half the people vote in the U.S. Less than half the people are even paying attention because we say, ah, fuck it, what's it matter? And I sympathize with that. I agree with that too. It's not very responsive. But we can make it responsive if we get involved. We can make it respond if we have 90% participation instead of 45% participation. If that were happening, then maybe we could actually get some shit done. If we demanded voting by internet so that made it easier to, to vote. If we demanded that we make voting on a Sunday so that people who have a job can actually vote. These things are all set up to stop the disenfranchised, the literally disenfranchised from voting. These are set up to stop people who, have a, who don't have a car to get to the polling station, who can't stand around all day in a fucking line. There's no reason there should be a six-hour line waiting to vote and why those lines happen to be in the parts of the country where poor people are. It's all rigged. But that's not a reason to buy a gun, and that's not a reason to not vote. It's a reason to vote. It's a reason to get involved and change things through representative government because that's the only way they're going to change. Anyway, those are my thoughts on San Bernardino. Let's turn to something a little more cheerful, which is it's poetry time, ladies and gentlemen. I thought uh, this week I would read something uh, kind of lighthearted. <laughs> if, yeah, it's lighthearted. Um, you know, one of the greatest spurs to creativity in the entire history of our species is what I call the plea for pussy. <clears throat> yes, it's the, you know, we could call it the love song. We can call it, um, <clears throat> you know, whatever, the Shakespearean sonnets, which it turns out he's probably writing to a man. Um, but here's one of the most famous poems uh, in the plea for pussy genre. And this is written by a famous British poet. Uh, I guess English poet. I don't know if Britain existed in the 1600s and what they called it. Um, but uh, Andrew Marvel is his name. And this was written in the 1600s. It's called To His Coy Mistress. Had we but world enough in time, this coyness lady were no crime. We would sit down and think which way to walk and pass our long love's day. Thou by the Indian Ganges side shouldst rubies find. I by the tide of Humber would complain. I would love you ten years before the flood. And you should, if you please, refuse till the conversion of the Jews. My vegetable love should grow vaster than empires and more slow. 
A hundred years should go to praise thine eyes and on thy forehead gaze. Two hundred to adore each breast, but thirty thousand for the rest. An age at least to every part, and the last age should show your heart. For, lady, you deserve this state, nor would I love at lower rate. All right, so that first section is all about if we had time, I would take forever to just look at you and admire you and every part of you. I wouldn't be in any kind of hurry at all if we had the time. <clears throat> so think about the it's all it's all in the first two lines. Had we but world enough in time, this coyness lady were no crime. Okay, and he goes through what he would do, what he would do, what he would do. Then we're back, he says, but at my back I always hear time's winged chariot hurrying near. That's a great line. At my back I always hear time's winged chariot hurrying near. Right? The time is chasing me. I always hear it. It's coming up. It's coming faster and faster. And yonder all before us lie deserts of vast eternity. Thy beauty shall no more be found, nor in thy marble vault shall sound my echoing song. Then worms shall try that long-preserved virginity, and your quaint honor turn to dust, and into ashes all my lust. Here's another great couplet. The grave's a fine and private place, but none, I think, do there embrace. (laughs) So he's pulling out the big guns here. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say guns. Uh, the uh, yeah, he's these these are this is a hard sell, right? Because he's ta- first he sets her up saying, "Oh man, if if you know if we weren't living in mortal existence, sure, I'd I'd take twenty thousand years to, to sit here and admire you, but you know we're getting old and we're going to be dead soon." Uh, you know, he says. Uh, Yonder all before us lie deserts of vast eternity. Well, that's pretty depressing. Thy beauty shall no more be found in thy marble vault, right? So when you're dead and you're buried, you're not going to be so beautiful anymore. And worms are going to be um, trying your long-preserved virginity. (laughs) There's an image for you. And into ashes all my lust, right? Your quaint honor turns into dust and into ashes all my lust. So basically saying like, hey, it's now or never, baby. Come on. So back to the poem, the grave's a fine and private place, but none, I think, do there embrace. Now, therefore, while the youthful hue sits on thy skin like morning dew, and while thy willing soul transpires at every pore with instant fires, now let us sport us while we may. And now, like amorous birds of prey, rather at once our time devour than languish on this on his slow chapped power. Let us roll all our strength and all our sweetness up into a ball and tear our pleasures with rough strife through the iron gates of life. Thus, though we cannot make our sun stand still, yet we will make him run. Yeah. Come on, baby. So, this last part, uh, he's saying, you know, so so the argument is, hey, if we had the time, I wouldn't be in a hurry, but we don't have the time. We're all going to die. So here we are. Let's do it. You're beautiful. 
Your skin is like the morning dew. You got fire in every pore of your body. You're hot as hell, baby. So let us sport us while we may like amorous birds of prey. Hell yeah. Let's fuck like horny hawks, I think is what he's saying. And tie all our, let's roll all our strength and all our sweetness up into a ball and tear our pleasure with rough strife. So I guess he's, he's into, it's getting kind of hardcore there. Through the iron gates of life. Thus, though we cannot make our son stand still, yet we will make him run. All right. Now here's a little, here's a modern version of exactly the same sentiment. Five. I've been trying, trying for so long, baby, trying to hold back this feeling so long, Ooh. let's get it on, come on sugar, let's get it on, love me baby, let's get it on. Well, here's hoping Andrew Marvel got lucky. I know Marvin Gaye got lucky until he got real unlucky. Uh, but uh, speaking of getting lucky, a cell phone giveaway. We had uh, Cassie and I threw a bunch of names in a bucket. Not really a hat, but a bucket we had. And uh, pulled Michael Archer out of the bucket. So Michael Archer... Send me an email or something. Uh, You have won the phone. If I don't hear from Michael Archer in a few days, then we'll pull another name and and go for number two. We we left the bucket intact, so it's still there. But if you hear this, Michael, drop me an email and uh, you get the Galaxy phone that I am giving away. Uh, Sorry to the rest of you. We got a bunch of uh, wonderful emails, people... Um, you know, some as simple as just, hey, I need a phone and others with long explanations of what happened to their last phone or why they need this phone and what they want to do with it. And we didn't we didn't weigh anything. You know, we thought it would be unfair because some people, you know, I didn't say that we'll give the phone based on the best reasoning or whatever. So uh, we just kept it completely random. Um, but thank you to everybody who wrote in. I'm sorry I don't have a million phones for you. Um, if I think of anything else that I could quickly and easily send, I'll, I'll announce it. But we're giving away just about everything at this point. We're, we're down to the bare bones. This is probably the last intro I'm going to record standing at my upright desk that was given to me by Ergo Depot, who, um, the guy who gave it, the guy who arranged it doesn't work there anymore. So I'm not really pushing that thing because it was really nice of him to do that. But since he doesn't work there anymore, the hell with it. Uh, this week's episode, Jesus, we're 19 minutes in. I haven't even mentioned the guest yet. Fuck. Andy Gurevich, everybody's favorite. One of one of the most popular recurring guests on the podcast is Andrew Gurevich. 
he teaches, let's see, I think he teaches literature and, and uh, uh, re- religion, I think, or but like the anthropology of religion or religious studies or something like that. He's an expert in world mythology. He wrote the introduction to a beautiful book on uh, Indonesian art, uh, native art. That's uh, I don't remember who published it, but uh, he showed it to me. It's a pretty uh, prestigious, beautiful book. Um, I'm sure you can find out all about that at his place. What we did was, Andy's got a podcast uh, that's just sort of getting off the ground, and we decided to do, uh, instead of me being... Uh, you know, doing separate kind of things. What we did was we sat here and we talked for three hours. We went full Rogan on this one and we sort of stopped in the middle. And the first part is what you're going to hear here. And then the second part is on his podcast, which he talks about. I think it's called On the Block Radio or On the Street Radio. Yeah, On the Block Radio. Uh, I just Googled it. And uh, he's got his stuff uh, hosted right now on SoundCloud. So you can go to uh, On the Block Radio at SoundCloud and hear that. I'll, uh, he, Andy put together a little teaser for the episode, which I will play for you now. It's quite amusing. This week, join us for a special episode of On the Block Radio. Two men on a collision course with destiny. You know, you inspired me. I bought a van and, you know, I drove to Baja and, you know, like, thanks. I wouldn't have done it, you know. Cool, cool, cool. One, the master of primate genitalia and the history of human sexuality. The other, a lone drifter with only his sly wit and rugged good looks to guide him through the night. You know, there's nobody like me here. There's yeah. nobody who thinks about these things. There's nobody who, uh, you know, talks about these kind of things. You won't want to miss this revealing conversation with Dr. Christopher Ryan, author of the New York Times bestseller, Sex and Dawn. I thought I was really fucked up, and then I listened to you and your guests, and I realized, like, wow, there are people like me out there, you know? The first part of this marvelous man summit can be heard on Dr. Ryan's podcast, Tangentially Speaking. The stunning finale will be broadcast right here at On The Block Radio. And they are symbols rooted in our connection. They're animal symbols. They're totemistic symbols. Join us for a special day and time this coming Monday at 5 p.m. for what promises to be an evening to remember. Two hosts, one show, a love that would not be denied. I wish I knew how to quit you. So the Marvelous Man Summit is what you're about to get. Pretty cool intro, huh? (laughs) Complete with the homophobic references. It's very nice. And Andy's rugged good looks. How come he gets the rugged good good looks? And all I get is uh, primate genitalia. It's the story of my fucking life. All right. So that's about it for me. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this. Still don't know why the hell you're doing it, but I'm glad you do. Thank you, all of you who are funding this podcast through fundwhatyoulove.com. Sweet. There are like 155 of you now. The core, the hardcore. 
Um, it's very cool. If you haven't checked it out, it's it's like Patreon, um, except it's uh, owned and run by a guy who listens to the podcast, Danny Osment, who uh, I actually met in the flesh a couple weeks ago. He was here in Portland. Super fascinating guy. And I'd really like to uh, do a podcast with him one of these days. He's I mean, within 15 minutes of meeting him, it was just like, what? What do you mean you have a degree in conducting orchestras? That doesn't exist. Oh, my God. And he just went on from there. He's a fascinating guy. And he's been doing the sound, um, the remastering of these files uh, on a completely volunteer basis for well over a year at this point. So um, that's Danny, and he run, owns and runs Fund What You Love. So if you want to support the podcast through that site, uh, it's a friend of the podcast who runs it. He takes a very small cut for his time. Um, you know, he's definitely not making any money on it at this point. Um, but also, if you've got a creative endeavor that you'd like to try to get some crowdfunding for, uh, consider his site as, as a place to house your project. So that's a cool thing. And then the other way that people are are supporting the podcast is by buying stuff through the Amazon link, which is really cool. All you need to do is go to my homepage, Chris Ryan PhD, click on the Amazon thing, and then bookmark the landing page where you first land on Amazon and then just go through that in the future. And we'll get somewhere between 4 and 7%, depending on what you buy doesn't cost you anything extra and it's a great source of funding for the podcast so we really appreciate that it's a wonderful thing now with christmas coming up people are going to be buying big ticket items those are the ones where you really don't want to forget oh yeah go through because it's just leaving money on the table and some of these i've seen i mean it's not a lot of money but a lot they add up some of the biggest ones i mean the podcast has received I don't know, 20, 30, 40 bucks sometimes. If somebody buys a computer, a laptop, or some big piece of exercise equipment, I see people buying auto parts and kitchen stuff. Um, you know, it can get pretty pricey. And so 7, 8% of that adds up. So we really appreciate that, Cassie and I do. Thank you very much. We're going to be out of Portland in two weeks now. Just about two weeks. We're going to be on the road. First, we'll be in LA for a while. As some of you... If you follow me on Twitter, you saw I announced it. It looks like Joe, Duncan, and I are going to be doing another Shrimp Parade episode, um, probably on the 22nd, and we'll do it at Joe's studio, so it'll be live on YouTube and you know all his various channels. Um, but if you don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, I'll post it on my webpage as well, uh, so you'll be able to see it there. But that's always fun. I love hanging with those guys. Uh, it's just effortless. And actually, Andy is is in that same category. You know, when I meet someone new and it's, you know, they're awkward. They don't know, you know, the mics freak them out a little bit and all that. It, it takes a little energy to sort of nudge them uh, into a good conversation sometimes. But, you know, with Duncan, Joe and, and Andy's the same. It's just you know, push the button, start talking, you know, it's going to be fun because we just, we have so many common interests and our senses of humor interact um, pretty effortlessly together. Speaking of interesting upcoming episodes, it looks like I'm going to be sitting down with Graham Hancock uh, pretty soon. He's coming to Portland before I leave. So um, I've been in touch with him and I'm going to drop by his hotel and uh, talk with him. 
So if you have any urgent pressing questions that you want me to ask Graham Hancock, aside from the obvious, you know, ancient civilization stuff, uh, drop me an email or something and let me know and I'll try to get to it. All right, that's enough. I've been yammering almost half an hour. Thank you for listening. Thanks for um, indulging my uh, love of poetry and Marvin Gaye and everything else. Oh, speaking of which, I saw something interesting. I was looking at Tumblr uh, a couple days ago, and someone I follow on Tumblr is uh, an Australian woman who uh, put some photographs up, Elizabeth the beautiful, wonderful Elizabeth, and I saw that she had put uh, the poem that I read, the uh, Derek Walcott poem that I read last week. So it's funny to see how these things reverberate. Somebody sends me the poem in an email, I read it, then it's off in Australia, and then I notice because I follow her, and things are just going all around the world. So shout out to Elizabeth. I'm going to play another song here. What should I play? All right, I'm going to play a song. People have been asking me to play more uh, songs from my uh, my magic file. Uh, I'll play this one. <laughs> it's not. It's in the file for completely different reason than the other ones. This one's actually talking about magic and miracles and things like that, as opposed to being itself miraculous. Although I suppose it is in some ways, and uh, it also reminds me of uh, Andy Gurevich and his. Um, in his deep, deep voice. You'll hear the laugh at the beginning. It sounds just like Andy. Insane Clown Posse. Miracles. <laughs> we got a theory. You see, Mike, we got a theory about magic and miracles. That's right. That's right. If magic is all we've ever known, then it's easy to miss what really goes on. But I've seen miracles in every way, and I see miracles every day. Oceans spanning beyond my sight, and a million stars way above them at night. You don't have to be high to look in the sky and know that's a miracle open wide. Look at the mountains, trees, the seven seas, and everything chilling underwater. Please, hot lava, snow, rain, and fog. Long necked giraffes and pet cats and dogs. And I've seen 85,000 people All in one room together as equal Pure magic is the birth of my kids I've seen shit that'll shock your eyelids The sun and the moon and even Mars The Milky Way of fucking shooting stars UFOs, a river flows Plant a little seed and nature grows Niagara Falls and the pyramids Everything you believed in as kids Fucking rainbows, after it rains There's enough miracles here to blow your brains I fed a fish to a pelican at Frisco Bay It tried to eat my cell phone He ran away And music is magic, pure and clean You can feel it and hear it, but it can't be seen It can't be seen Music is all magic You can't even hold it Do you notice and recognize miracles? It's just there in the air Pure motherfucking magic, right? This shit'll blow your motherfucking mind. Music is a lot like love. It's all a feeling, and it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around; it's all astounding. Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking magnets, how do they work? And I don't wanna talk to a scientist. Y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed. Solar eclipse and vicious weather. 15,000 juggalos together. And I love my mom for giving me this time on this planet. Take nothing for granted. I seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. Miracles ain't nothing to lie. 
Shaggy's little boys look just like Shaggy And my little boy looks just like Daddy Miracles each and everywhere you look And nobody has to stay where they put This world is yours for you to explore It's nothing but miracles beyond your doors The Dark Carnival is your invitation To witness that without explanation Take a look at this fine creation And enjoy it better with appreciation Crows, ghosts, the midnight coast The wonders of the world Mysteries the most Just open your mind and it ain't no way To ignore the miracles of every day And that's real, and that's real Magic everywhere in this bitch Do you notice and recognize miracles? It's all around you, you don't even know it Are you a believer in miracles? It's crazy Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with the great Andy Gurovich. That's his water you hear sloshing <laughs> yeah, exactly. down his throat. He's mic'd uh, with these, uh, what are these called? Lapel mics. This guzzling cum right at the outside. Yeah, of the you, you can hear the disgusting <laughs> sloshing sounds with the, uh, at least I can. You, yeah. That's the thing, when I've got the headphones, you don't know what we're What's hearing. What's going on, You right? don't know the bodily. Sometimes like I'll, like, I'll burp a little bit. Yeah. I did that on Rogan's like, yeah, a couple totally. weeks ago. I was like, and I'm like, oh, geez, I just heard myself burp and so did like everyone else well this catch like internal does your body make noises ever like will you hear like no, my body around? never makes noise like anything. internal shit never. like things move around never. inside my big gelatinous <laughs> body and uh, like organs shifting yeah. and stuff so no. we'll pick that up yeah bodies make noise right. no it won't it won't it's i'm not hearing your heartbeat or anything <laughs> that's good <laughs> i'm a little gassy <laughs> a little gassy so andy gervich last time we talked to you god damn when was that uh, I mean, you're you're you've probably been on this podcast as much as anybody, but it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. God, this is what my fourth or fifth time on. I don't, know. Uh, I don't not know. Not that I'm counting, but it's been six, eight months. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. So the the big news, at least yeah. from a podcasting perspective, is yeah. that you have a fucking podcast. Yeah, you know, I tried to to jump out into the ocean and see what's going on with this podcast. Right. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't really listen to podcasts very yeah, much. Yeah, well, so. exactly. <laughs> it's like being in porn and then watching porn. Hey, right? did you hear, by the way, speaking of porn? Did, I did. you see that? That's, yeah, I wrote on your wall <laughs> that uh, you got some stiff competition. No pun intended, Ayo. <laughs> yeah, the odds are long that I'm going to win. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> You're up against the hedgehog. Oh, and man. then another guy named like, like uh, Dick, Dick Spittle yeah, or something. Dick Spittle. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough competition, man. Or but. Dick Dribbles or some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about, I was, uh, yesterday I got a, I saw a tweet from someone who said, well, I was just casually looking at the nominees for the AVN Awards, yeah. which is Adult Video N. I don't know what the N stands yeah, for. Oh no shit. Yeah, me either. Nation, maybe? Yeah. Adult. But Network. it's like it's like the the Oscars of porn, uh-huh. and uh, and he said, and I saw Chris Ryan nominated for, and I looked and it's uh, there's a category non best non sex performer, but yeah, <laughs> and, and I've always considered myself to tan be. Tan mom has done a few of those too. I don't know if you know her. Do you know the tan mom woman who's famous uh, for for tanning obsessively, and she has all the kids, and, and they call her tan mom, and she's done she's done done a lot of like she's the secretary. Oh, that really? That's the, the lady into the doctor's office and then, you know, the sex is down or whatever. <laughs> so Tan Mom? Tan Mom, yeah, you and her. But she's not on the list. Thanks. She's not, well, she didn't make it this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you were saying, so. Um, yeah, so I'm nominated for the uh, 2016, I think it is, the wow. 2016 AVN Awards for Best Non-Sex Performance. What's up with being uh, nominated for best non-sex performance at What's the up? Indiana Awards? I don't know, man. It's That's ironic, right? And, and I love, I mean, there's like Dick Spittles and there's Ron yeah. Jeremy and there's, you know, I don't know, there's some other goofy names. And then there's Christopher Ryan, PhD. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> they included Dick, the, Dick Spittle, Esquire. <laughs> you just know those other nominees are like, oh shit, I'm up against a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I'll never win now. Let's just hope he's a love doctor. Even at that. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Definitely man. classes up the whole the whole affair. Well, when do you find out? It's going on my fucking resume, man. Yeah, I'd put it. I'm an award. How can, how would you phrase that? Like, because if you're award-winning non-sex porn performer, you know, there's that. But I'm not award-winning. I'm just a nominee. A nominee. Yeah. Could I say like a celebrated porn star? Uh, Something like that. Nominated award. Uh, award. Yeah, you can't really. Yeah, say but nominated. see, when you say nominated, you can say that, Academy Award nominee, right? People say that. Yeah, that's true. But that means they lost. Right, when yeah, you but that, it does yeah, mean yeah. you were nominated. Right, you're right. Yeah, nominee. so I could be an AVN award nominee. Are you going to go to the event? Are you going to walk? No. The, uh, are you going to walk the pink carpet? No, I'm not going to go. <laughs> you let that joke go right by. Uh, walk the pink carpet. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's good. Thank that's you. good. Thank but, you, sir. Yeah, I've been working on those since. Walk I got my the own pink show. membrane. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I started my own show. And, but you don't listen to podcasts. That's all right. Um, you know what? I listened to the first episode of your podcast. Mm. And uh, it was very good. It was with, with Klugman. Uh, Klugman, yeah. Adam Klugman, yeah. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed Thanks. it a lot. And I said, oh, I'm going to listen to these. And then, you know. Life happens. Life happens. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a job that allows me to listen to podcasts yeah. while I'm doing my job. Right, You know, if right. I were a truck driver. Truck driver, weed grower. Right, there's a handful of uh, jobs. Office cleaner. I yeah. get emails from people clean offices at night. That's cool. Like sculptors and artists and, mm-hmm. you know, people who do stuff like that. Uh, any sort of cubicle work where you right. can pretend you're working and actually, you know, listen to shit. But if you're writing, you can't be listening. I can't. To if you no. yeah. if I'm yeah, and I'm working with words, I can't. I can't even listen to music. Really, which bums me out because I used to like lie to myself and pretend I could. But then you just. And then I realized I'm just not getting anything done. I'm just sitting here listening to music. Because I, I can't not pay attention to music. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You're kind of an active listener. It's not a background thing. Yeah. No, if if it's 
No, I can't not listen. I can't not listen to the words, for example, mm. if it's in English. You know. Yeah, that's cool. What um, about instrumental music? Have you tried that while you're working? I have, but it's it's either good enough that I stop and listen to it, or it's bad enough that I find it annoying. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's, yeah, I can't, I'm not good at the background music thing. You know, Baroque music was made to be not listened to. I always found that fascinating. Really? It was made to be played at, you know, dinner parties and stuff in the, in the, in the palace, and it was literally made to kind of be social lubricant. To, oh, you mean to, like Mozart? Um, after that. Because Baroque refers to Bach. Which okay, I, which is like am I wrong? Oh, I think you're wrong. On that's this. nice. Uh, the first time I ever we, came on your can, show, we can edit this out. Yeah, man. nice. First time I came on your show, I was so fucking nervous, and I kept referring to uh, cuneiform as Sanskrit, and no one uh, ever said anything about it. And you have a PhD, as we just talked about, so you should have caught me on that. But it's like, my PhD is not in like absolutely uh, frivolous knowledge. <laughs> that's my master's. I was poking around uh, one night like a, like the creepy stalker that I am on uh, Duncan Trussell's website, and deep in one of the threads, some people were having a conversation about you, and someone oh, went, God. hey, that Gervich guy he brings on is pretty cool. And then the next comment was, yeah, but he mistook Sanskrit for Canaan for him, so I don't trust, yeah, yeah, so I don't trust <laughs> the word he says. And I was like, fuck, I almost got That's away hilarious. with it, man, but one fucking guy. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it was like two months ago that that happened. And that know? one, and that one like super obscure thing that yeah. nobody knows, that guy takes it as like reason to dismiss everything yeah, he said. exactly. This fucking uh, <laughs> this guy is charlatan. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. You can't win, man. You just can't win. <laughs> so I just did it again with Baroque. But there's a period of classical music, like late romantic, so I'm probably saying it wrong. Yeah, well, see, now, Rom- yeah, late romantic. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, one of the few things I actually do know something nice, about. Nice. Help me out. Although it didn't enter into my PhD. So, you know, Vivaldi. That kind of shit. Like yeah, Vivaldi, that. Yeah. Mozart. That's so maybe I did meet Mozart. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a little confusing because my understanding, and and there are a lot of people who are going to listen to me say this and say, Whoa, yeah. "Fuck that guy." <laughs> uh, but my understanding is Baroque refers to like Bach mm-hmm. and uh, Handel and the the music that was being written mainly for churches to be played in churches, right. financed right, by okay. the church, you know, so it's like God. So sure, it certainly sure. isn't background music. Right. Then you've got the, the, you move to where the financing was coming from the royalty. Mm-hmm. So you've got Mozart, powdered wigs, people prancing around. Yeah. So that's, a, that's party music for rich people. Okay. And that's the classical era. Okay. Right. Was that called Baroque? No, that was called okay. classical. The Baroque was earlier. The okay. Baroque was the religious the stuff, stuff okay. right? And then you got Romantic, where it's Beethoven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of begins with Beethoven and ends with Mahler uh, okay. yeah, yeah. in the late 19th century, early 20th century. And then you've got Atonal and crazy shit after that with Schoenberg and that. I read something from uh, Daniel Levitin, the, the musicologist up in Canada at McGill, who he, where he talked about that... You know, music that was meant for performance, that was meant to be watched and listened to, like what you were doing, right? Was experiencing the music that that was that would you be know, like Beethoven, yeah. But that uh, you know, like the Vivaldi era was was specifically to kind of be in the background. And, and what I found interesting is that uh, you know I do these things at the college. Uh, you came and spoke at one of them. That's how we met, right? These events that I do at the school for our speaker series. Right. Writers come in, and when I started doing this this year, actually last year. Um, was uh, doing a slideshow in the beginning of the events with like that author and their work and different stuff, right? As people were coming in, right. and then also some background music. And I would use 
um, like trance, like 90, you know, the Thievery Corporation, this kind of stuff, right? right? Stuff that's also kind of electronic music that's also supposed to be ambient is what we would say now. Right? Oh, and right, right. what I found that was really interesting about it is that people didn't sit and stare at the screen and listen to the music, that it made people get up and start talking to one another, that they created this kind of frenetic energy where people were in this party atmosphere and they immediately started talking whereas last year when I didn't play music at the beginning of the event people came in and kind of sat down and stared at the wall and no one talked because no one wanted to be the one where everyone could hear their voice you know what I mean like the music provides this kind of anonymity and it was specifically uh, the music made people not listen to it but talk to one another which I found really fascinating all right, what do you got for All us? right, well, so, yeah, I mean, inspired by Joe Rogan, who looks shit up as nice. I say yeah, it and cool. often finds me to be full of shit, <laughs> I decided to... <laughs> you're going to drive this home. I, yeah, I just went to Wikipedia while we were this chatting. This the Q&A So here we go. It says, as late as 1960, there was still considerable dispute in academic circles as to whether it was meaningful to lump together music as diverse as that of Jacopo Perry, Scarlatti, and Bach under a single rubric. Mm. So Baroque is a catch-all term, apparently. Nevertheless, the term has become widely used and accepted for this broad range of music. Um, And I won't read the whole thing, but uh, yeah, there's a whole timeline, and it's like 150 years, which does include Bach, uh, and Albinoni. Oh, that beautiful Albinoni. Do you know that piece? Oh, uh-uh. uh, yeah, you know it. There, there's this, it's one of those classical music pieces that everyone has heard okay. in like a million ads yeah, and, yeah. and TV shows and all that. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing I know by Albinoni, but it's, it's really nice. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that really answers our question. Uh, we'd have to stop and really look at this. On the way over here, uh, I did not anticipate I'd be parsing the history of classical music with you. I was coming up with a lot of pussy jokes. Oh, let's hear some. <laughs> I forgot them all now that we're talking about classical music. <laughs> Where are you going now? <laughs> Albinoni Adagio. Oh, nice. You're going to play it so for I'll, folks? I'll play it in the background here. Nice, while we talk. Yeah. Let's see. Here's a live version. How did you get in? How did this become a thing in your life, this music? Have you always been into classical? Who got you into it? Do you know this piece? You recognize this? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a real heart, yeah, tearjerker. I mean, it's probably in Schindler's List or something. Right, right. You know? So that's Albinoni. Uh, how did I get into classical music? Honestly, yeah. the the first thing was um, I had a buddy in uh, high school who was a pianist. Mm-hmm. He also played funk bass. He was like one of these you know prodigy yeah. kind of kids. And uh, one day I was fifteen, and he came over to my house after school when we were first becoming friends. Mm -hmm. And he's been my my best buddy ever since. You know, we're still great friends. Um, And my dad played piano, and so there was a piano in the house. And my friend sat down, and his name's Mike, sat down and he played a piece that he had written for, um, I don't know if it was for a competition or or for a class that he was in, in the style of Chopin. Mm -hmm. And... It was the first piece of classical music where I heard the emotion in it. Mm. I heard 
the the and nostalgia. Too. Yeah. Well, and it was my it was my friend, you yeah. know, playing right for me alone in my parents' living room, yeah. and it was like fuck. I get it. I hear that. Previously, it had always just been like you know, do 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 fancy bullshit. Who yeah, gives a yeah. fuck? You know, yeah. like Pomp like and like Mozart. I don't give mm-hmm. a fuck about Mozart, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like some of the Mozart chamber music. Yeah. Because um, it's much more intimate and personal and. But like I, and Mozart uh, orchestral pieces just leave me cold. And, yeah. um, but this, I heard it, I felt it. I, uh, it communicated emotionally to me. And so from that, then he recommended a couple of pieces um, by Chopin, mm-hmm. uh, Ballade and G Major, I think was the first one. And that just rocked my socks. I love that. So that got me, that sort of opened me up to the possibility that classical music wasn't just like bullshit for old people. Right, it was actually a thing. Right. And then when I was in college, um, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but when I was an undergrad, like I became really good friends with the head of the English department, who was this uh, gay guy who um, was sort of, his sexuality was basically like impacted because he had, the last person he had been with, uh, was a woman uh, when he was in grad school, uh-huh. and he hadn't yet come out to himself, and they had this real weird dysfunctional relationship, and then she committed suicide, Jesus. and so he was just like, okay, you know, I'm I'm dangerous and destructive, and I can't be wow. with people. Wow. And then, so I was, you know, I was like a this acid-dropping 19-year-old, you know, <laughs> wild man, and he and I got to be friends, and um, it was a really intense friendship because his being gay didn't freak me out at all. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, sort of took it as a prod- project in a way to liberate him, yeah. you know, to like let him be who he was and, and not be judged. And, you know, and um, so we had this really beautiful friendship because he was he was only like thirty four and I was twenty, so yeah. there wasn't a big age gap. But yeah. you know, he was a tenured PhD from Yale, super fucking smart guy, mm-hmm. and uh, but scared. Yeah. And when we became friends, he had just gotten tenure, so uh, I come into his life and I'm like, dude, you know, let's take some acid and you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, call in sick. And yeah. he's like, I can't do that. I'm like, you got tenure, yeah, dude. Yeah. You can do you whatever the can. fuck you want. You yeah. know. So I really... Your students won't mind <laughs> getting the day off is exactly. very unfortunate thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I, I mean, and he was just ripe to be radicalized. Yeah. He was just looking for someone to give him permission mm-hmm. to, to let go mm-hmm. and, and to like own up to his sexuality and to, you know, get high and go off. And he traveled to Nicaragua. He came to Alaska and visited me one year when I was oh, wow. up there. And um, so... So anyway, he taught me a lot about a million different things, books and, and music. And we went to New York and he took me around all these buildings and showed me like this is where this famous strike was. And this is where they locked up the workers and the fire, you know, this waistcoat factory in the village. Oh, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. You know, God, sort of the beginning mm-hmm. of the labor movement, mm-hmm. you know, and all this. Uh, it was just like having a private tutor for several years. That's amazing. Uh, and he just poured as much as I could take uh, knowledge-wise into me. And a lot of that was classical music. Yeah. And he loved Mahler. I mean, Mahler was his god. So we used to like hang out at his apartment, you know, take some acid and listen to three Mahler symphonies in their entirety. And after each movement, 
he'd you know stop the record and we'd talk about what wow. we'd heard. And it wasn't like teacher student. It was just like it's just you know how it is. Like yeah. like, like isn't this fucking amazing? amazing. Did you yeah. hear what he did there? And then yeah. it's like you know, I and mean, that's replicating the sounds of the forest because Mahler was part gypsy and he grew up in this wow. forest and his father died when he was young and the kettlebells come in and that's the terror of death and you know it's just like. Whoa, really passionate and, you know, like, you know, tears streaming down his face sometimes. So that was a wonderful education in classical music. Did you help liberate him, like you said? Yeah. Like you set out to do? I mean, you're talking yeah. about what he gave you. What do you, what do you, do you think you gave him those things? I gave out? him a lot of acid, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, no, like, well, I, you know, it's, it's weird to toot your own horn, but he did say to me years later, we lost contact for a while and then we sort of got back in touch years later and he said um that i had uh how did he say it it was it was something like that i had um uh like um made it possible for him to love Hmm. because then he met a guy and he had a relationship that lasted a long time with this guy and uh you know, he said that our our friendship made him feel safe loving someone again. You yeah, know? you can't really do that unless you're willing to be vulnerable, and acid is a good tool in helping you confront your own vulnerability. Yeah, think, isn't it? He was a very fearful guy. Yeah, you know, he'd had a fucked up father and uh, just a f- whole fucked up childhood, and so he was one of these guys who was I've heard of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was one of these guys who was just like. You know, running as fast as he could to try to please somebody who would never be satisfied. Yeah. And then he internalized that and, you know, that, and, and so he was just like never, it was never enough. He was never good enough. He was, you know, always fucking up and, and, and sh- should have tried harder. And, you know, and I was the opposite. I was like, fuck it, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good enough is good enough. Good you enough know? is good enough, man. And be all right. I, I was just always sort of scamming to like find a way to get more done by doing less, yeah. you know? And so we learned from each other. You know? I think he learned more from me in that respect because I didn't, you know, become very ambitious, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said something interesting there. I've been thinking about that a lot lately with regard to myself and my own, like, I don't know if you would call it activism or whatever, but the things that I'm into when I'm, you know, I'm really into black stuff and woman stuff and like things that are marginalized groups that 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 are underrepresented or or, or oppressed, and I'm really into studying that and trying to help advocate for those communities, right? But and I think a part of me is really into that work. I fucking care a lot about it. I know a lot about it. I read a lot about it. I engage it a lot. So part of that is just who I am and what I care about. But there's another part of me that thinks. I think I'm really insecure, and I I do this to sh- to say to people I I can understand you know, by by showing them that I can understand their pain, they'll like me and accept me into their community. Yeah. This is a white guy that gets it. This is a man that gets it. You right. know what I mean? Like that right. the liberal that you know the Bill Clinton line. I feel your pain, right? Yeah. You know, part of me thinks I'm full of shit in some of that because what I'm still trying to do is get acceptance. I'm just trying to do it from. You understand what I'm saying? I, I yeah, do, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and at that time in my life, I was doing a lot of that. I was in women's studies classes. Yeah. I was, um, you know, I, I felt a lot of white guilt, a mm-hmm. lot of like white male cisgendered, although cisgendered wasn't a Word term that existed. There, yeah. um, 
and I was sort of signed on to that a lot. But um, and he was actually an influence that would have pulled me more into that because he mm. was very, you know, he's very political. He considered yeah. himself very political, yeah. and um, he was into uh, the French deconstructionism and mm-hmm. you know all the Foucault and that and kind of shit. Derrida, yeah, yeah, and. Um, but the big thing in the my bullshit indicators were just you know ringing off the hook every time I got near that. Yeah, not, not the I mean, not the stuff you're talking about, but uh-huh. the, the French deconstruct. You know, yeah. I try to read Derrida, and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> a, I, I, either I'm not smart enough to know what this means, or it means nothing. I get beat up by my colleagues all the time for saying almost exactly what you just said, <laughs> almost verbatim. B, even if I figure out what it means, who gives a shit? shit? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like let's get real. You know, uh-huh. and sometimes I've, I mean, I, I feel that now with what's going on in campuses now, it's, which is an out growth of that same energy that I was experiencing in the 80s, yeah. you know, the take back the night thing, and now mm-hmm. it's Black Lives Matter or whatever. Yeah. But, and I think that's really good to have politically active, engaged people that age, because there's so much passion there, and you can get a lot of good shit done. But I can't help feeling like so much of that energy is being diverted into nonsense and, you know, turned back against the... There's so much fractured, you know, tiny um, little um, splintered groups within the left attacking each other yeah, and yeah. getting the college president fired because they didn't create a safe space for us here at Occidental College. And it's like, what, what the fuck's wrong with you people? You know, you want to create a safe space. Let's let's talk about. I think it's completely legitimate to talk about black people getting fucked over yeah. institutionally in America, or American colonialism fucking over the rest of the fucking planet. Yeah. Let's talk on a macro scale. Not that the fucking student union, you know, has two photographs on the wall, and neither one of them is a, of a black lesbian. Yeah, Fuck how about, off. How about uh, you know the Baltimore Police Department? If we want right. to really start changing things, exactly. For, yeah, yeah, exactly. Than, yeah, we get these no pun intended token victories i'm inclined to agree with you that 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 people go after low-hanging fruit when people feel a lot of helplessness and a lot of rage that what they want to strike out against is whatever's closest to them that represents the thing somehow that is right that which they feel is oppressing them so i can't but that's the fucking car bomb in karachi yeah exactly that's exactly the same when the problem isn't your neighbors the problem is the guys operating the drones now Mm -hmm. granted they're far i'm not advocating terrorism (laughs) against the homeland i'm just saying (laughs) when they said what is it think act think Globally, act locally. Yeah, yeah. They're not talking. That doesn't always apply. I yeah, guess is my point yeah. because sometimes the problem is structural and the problem is global. And by acting locally, you're you're just wasting your fucking time. Yeah, you know what's interesting, man. I got a woman on my show this week. This Sunday show is a woman named Tamara Rubin. Oh yeah, plug your show. Go yes. Ahead. Oh, ahead. sorry. Look at me trying to get back. Plug here. Reminds plug. me of my show. <laughs> Did I mention my show? Did I mention last week's? It's been guest? four minutes since I mentioned my show. So can we shut the fuck up already and get back to my show? Uh, I'm talking about black lesbians yeah, here. Exactly. How dare got, you? I got a lot of those coming on the show. Uh, they, they fucking overrun the thing. Actually. They're the yeah, best. I just hand them the. Mic. I love black lesbians. 
I'm off the air now. I know. See, yeah. That's my entire audience. The There's thing. only four people, but they're all black lesbians, so I can't afford So I can actually get in trouble for saying I love black lesbians. You could. I, I'm probably, yeah. Because people think you mean it ironically, but I know you well enough to know that you really do. Hey, well, they're not black lesbians when I get done with them. Oh, <laughs> Is this on? Are we recording? <laughs> well, we can edit this out. Yeah, yeah, you said that before with my Baroque music. <laughs> well, I still, edit out the first. I still don't know if you were right or wrong, or yeah, you know, not, well, whatever. Okay, so speaking okay. of black lesbians, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. So this this week we have a woman named Tamara Rubin, and that means nothing. It depends on when you wear this show, but an, uh, an episode we have is a woman who runs a program called Lead Safe America. It's a nonprofit that deals with lead poisoning in the oh. United States, which is like a $50 billion a year problem in the United States. It's fucking out of control. And it's uh, mostly, I guess, still old house paint. Yeah. Right? And all over Portland, we have these houses that are lead paint. And both of her kids were, were poisoned by um, <clears throat> from lead fume, from fumes when a guy was redoing their house and he blowtorched the paint off and it atomized and turned into smoke and came right yeah. into the vents and gave both of her kids... I mean, they're they're pretty messed up. Like brain damage. Yeah, serious brain yeah. damage. One of them didn't talk for a long time. Oh, and, uh, it was a real seriously. Thing. Yeah, and so then she started this organization um, on educating people about lead poisoning, and it's it's a it's a popular nonprofit. But what's interesting is uh, nobody gives a shit, really. I mean, like she's had a hard time getting like legislative interest. There's no celebrity that wants to take up the thing. It's hard to get people. You know, it's easy to go to get people riled up about like. Syrian refugees or yeah. ISIS or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, gays or, you know what I mean, or some, some sexual thing or, or, you know, or again, in, on the left, it's easy to get people riled up about how, you know, this principle didn't create a safe space for us or, you know, this classroom didn't give me a trigger warning before we read Ovid and there's a rape scene in it or so, you know what I mean, and, and all of this kind of stuff. But what people, I think, are doing is obsessing over the monsters that they can't see and ignoring the ones right in front of them. There are real problems that are affecting people and affecting families, and then the lead paint problem affects poor families that live in older houses, yeah. right? And so it, it, it disproportionately, at least in places like the Northwest, Northwest affects black people and brown people. And so right. there's all of these real things out there that people could... Yeah, you could act to, locally yeah, in that case and, really and actually make it affect the lives of those families. But yeah. but we're obsessed with getting these like Twitter victories. You know what right. I mean? Where yeah. we can hashtag our way out of a problem. Yeah, which, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That that lead thing's interesting. I don't know if you've read this, and I guess you'll talk with her about this. But on my uh, podcast, on your podcast, <laughs> which is called Oh yeah, on the block radio. On the block radio. On the block radio. Although it is in radio, it's a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an ironic. Although, I thing, mean, right? you, you, can, you hear podcasts on the radio, so I guess that's fair. I'm trying to uh, do a radio couple. lab. Yeah, exactly. Is a podcast, fuckers, right? If they can do it. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, recreate a radio format in podcasting, if that makes any sense. Because I did you do weather reports? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Six fifty-five, <laughs> seventy-two degrees. <laughs> yeah, traffic alerts and shit yeah. on the show that doesn't air live. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, right. Just it's totally, cloudy. Totally. <laughs> information. Hey, in Portland, yeah. it works, man. It's right. cloudy. Yeah, yeah. Little light rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and traffic on the freeways. You can yeah, there's traffic. There's traffic. <laughs> Too uh, many motherfuckers. There's an accident out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you're starting to say on the lead. Thing. Oh, the lead thing. Yeah, yeah there was. Uh, you know how the, like there's been this 
drastic reduction in crime in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, since the '80s. Yeah, I'm, I'm just adjusting my uh, my microphone here. No worries. Um, and uh, so it's sort of mysterious. And some people say, well, that's because Reagan put so many people in prison, and you know, the, all that kind of stuff. But I've read that it's directly related to removing lead from gasoline. Yeah, absolutely. And when was that? In the 70s, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. So kids who were born after that mm-hmm. don't have that sort of chronic brain damage that right. a lot of kids, especially inner city kids, right. where the, the, tra- the pollution was really bad. Um, and, and a lot of the, the way that that affected those kids was that it uh, affected their impulse control mm. and made them more likely to be violent. And so it's actually just, you know, a question to get the fucking lead out of the air and you end up with a much lower rate of violent crime. They've, re- they've related it to violent crime. They've related it to childhood obesity wow. as well. Like, uh, and I mean, like, direct correlation. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's something that affects almost every aspect of public health. So uh, since we're pl- plugging podcasts, yeah. I- I've got a podcast as oh, you well. You've got a podcast? Yeah, it's, wow. it, you should come on sometime. Um, and one of my, I haven't listened to it, I have to confess. Yeah, well, you're busy. <laughs> you're bullshit. busy. Uh, a couple of episodes. The, uh, I just put one up recently. I think it was actually last week as we're sitting here talking, okay. although when people hear this, it won't be it won't last be. week yeah, anymore. Yeah, weird thing. Wow. Uh, wrap your head around that, Time man. Warm, man. Yeah. Uh, is this guy Mark Davis, who's a specialist in fecal Transplants, fecal transplants. Yeah, you know about fecal transplants. No, oh man, it's amazing. Um, put somebody, somebody else's shit up my ass. Yeah, really. Yeah. Why? And because I was making a joke, and then no, you're like, no, yeah, that's what it is. It. Uh, you can put it up your ass. <laughs> they also make capsules. Really? Of shit, shit pills. Shit pills. Yeah. This is. I need in on this. You do, and it needs why? in on you. Yeah. Why does one do this? Um, primarily to treat uh, an infestation of a, of a bacteria called um, C. difficile. It's like chlorest from some Latin, you know, beginning with a C and difficile. Okay. Um, which it's called difficile because it's very hard to get rid of it. Mm. And it tends to hit people who have taken antibiotics like uh, and, and have immune um, deficiencies. Because of that, yeah. So it's either babies or old people generally yeah. or someone who's had major surgery and had like a lot of antibiotics. So what happens is the antibiotics wipe out the good path or good bacteria in, in your, your gut, gut. Yeah. and this stuff doesn't give a fuck about those antibiotics, so it goes in and takes over. Oh boy! And it kills thirty thousand people a year no in America. Wow. Oh, about half a million people get the infection every year, and about thirty thousand die. Wow! Right, and the only way that they've been treating this is to give people ever more. Uh, intense antibiotics to Ooh, try to, to try kill, to kill it, kill right? Things, so it's just yeah. poison. It's yeah. just more and more poison this in your body. This craze has been a real problem in the United States. And it's States, coming right? to an end. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have some issues with the antibiotics. But anyway, the um, what they found was that if you take some a healthy person's shit, mm-hmm. put it in the blender, zip it up, put it in a fucking turkey baster, stick it up your ass, blast <laughs> that shit in there, within a couple of days, these people are walking out of the hospital. Wow. Complete recovery. With somebody else's shit. With someone there. else's shit because what you're doing is you're just taking a starter colony of good gut bacteria. Okay. And blasting that up there. Oh, and once oh. it gets up there, it it, it spreads out, colonizes, and pushes the C. difficile out. 
No shit. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. yeah there it is again. <laughs> the best jokes I make is when I'm not trying, man. Uh, do you have to designate a blender for that? I mean, I would want to make like a green smoothie or something in the same one hey, that I just made you with know, shit capsules in. Yeah, a little kale, a little, <laughs> a little turd. Kale. Yeah, right. It might mask the taste of the kale. Yeah. I might rather eat another person's dung than eat kale. Exactly. <laughs> So you talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah, really. So anyway, I was just, when you were talking about how we ignore, um, you know, very tangible uh, um, problems yeah. that are that are solvable in favor of, Flame, you know, no one can dragons. say that word anymore mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, whatever symbolic bullshit. You know, I was thinking about that. It's like that's 30,000 people a year who die and it's yeah. really hard to get word out about this treatment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? Because it's cheap nobody's making lots of money from it right and it grosses people out yeah. people don't talk about shit so they're you know doctors are you know shy i mean a doctor would rather say we're going to give you like super strong antibiotics they're going to fuck you up that are going to cost you five thousand mm-hmm. dollars than you know introduce a squeamish idea that might freak you out a little bit that'll but that'll solve your fucking problem right and cost you 500 bucks you know um, that, anyway, so I'm talking about it every chance I get. And the, uh, the other reason I think people don't get behind it is it's not something you can get outraged about, right? I think mm. uh, especially young people, but in a, we have a political climate where nobody's motivated to do anything unless they're they're outraged by it, right? And yeah. we're talking about on college campuses or the yeah. Tea Party or the PC right movement. Uh, the Republican debates. The Republican debates, but even, the, you know, the kind of radical left that feeds on itself yeah. you know, and... and and makes the the perfect the enemy of the good. So if yeah. somebody doesn't pass some kind of, if you don't know, it's L B G T Q Q A A. You know what I mean? And if right. you fuck that up, there's people that want to say that you know you're you're hateful. And it's like, yeah. no, I just I'm trying to understand how you're defining yourself, and that's changing. And yeah. so people, well, are, the people are think Dan Savage is on it, on, Yeah, yeah. I made that argument and I got trashed. I was like, you know, the Koch brothers are who you have to worry about, not right. Dan Savage. And until mm-hmm. you figure that out. You're just going to be swiping at the handful of advocates you actually have. And yeah. then I told, was told I was mansplaining. <laughs> I heard you and Joe talk about that. Oh, mansplaining. And we have to be careful about that, right? Because we don't want to sit on the show and go, yeah, for us white guys, no one listens to us anymore, right? But that, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying in America, there's not a, a narrative of cohesion. There's not an equally powerful narrative that, that binds us together in purpose yeah. and identity where we can then also have these narratives that break us up. Yeah. Into these subgroups of uh, political subgroups, so identity politics is is really done more to fracture the country uh, and really take any of the wind out of the left because coalition building is impossible because they eat each other alive. Yeah. The right, uh, the right is doing that now too, with the radical Tea Party and the business Republicans and the, and the social conservatives are finally starting to fray. But for forty years, they pretty, they kept that coalition together because they had an end game in mind. Right, liberals yeah. in this country don't. It's just feed on whoever's closest, yeah. who doesn't fit your particular ideology. Oh, is man. that one of the reasons you guys are skipping town? Is the, yeah. I heard you say something about the yeah. Republican debates made you guys want to leave. <laughs> are you serious um, about that? Well, you know, we were planning to go back to Spain mm-hmm. anyway yeah. um, at some point, but um, it's definitely. A contributing factor. It, I mean, it, if this, if Bernie Sanders were clearly going to win, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be like, yeah, you know, in Congress, like people were, you know, mm-hmm. no more gerrymandering, you yeah. know, take money out of politics. If that kind of stuff were seriously really happening, happening yeah. 
then uh, maybe we'd reconsider. But it's not. And uh, yeah, I I was saying to someone the other night, and pardon me if I've said this on the podcast before, I, I don't know. Um, but it's it, I, every time I come back to America, I feel like one of those dreams where you you um, I don't know if you've ever had this sort of dream where you're like you get a call from your high school and it's like, oh, you need to come back because you didn't finish that that gym class. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you, you know, like you're too credit shy. shy of, yeah, and so you're like a 40 year old dude and you're back in high school mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. That's how I feel when I come to America. Wow. It's like, it's like, really? You think, really? I'm supposed to take you seriously? The rest you of the cop, world you know, on. or like the guy at the airport telling me to take my shoes off, mm-hmm. you know, with that attitude, that right. military, like, sir, I'm telling you to stand behind the line, sir. Yeah. And I'm supposed to go, oh, oh, yes, I'm, yeah, you're a teacher. I, so I yeah. respect you. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. You fucking minimum wage asshole, you know, with a, Tin fucking badge. They're not even tin. They're plastic. Especially since every uh, study that they've done shows that, like, when they try to get, they, they do these. I don't know if you've seen this in the news, uh, but they do these things where they try to get weapons on the plane. Oh, and they always get it. Ninety-five percent of them get through. Oh, it's, it's the fucking country. theater. Yeah, it's yeah, a but farce. Dumping your bottle of water out while right. you're behind you, sneaking on another, right. another <laughs> exactly. box cutter, right? Exactly. Which is a real problem. <laughs> yeah, those box cutters. <laughs> you gotta watch. Hide your boxes. Yeah, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like there's this illegitimate uh, authority structure mm-hmm. here that I just can't fucking believe it. Yeah, and so. I'm constantly, you know, with my, you know, Muslim wife, I, all I need is, you know, right. to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And, and we got, she's not Muslim anymore, but she looks Muslim and she has a Muslim name. And, right. you know, it's, it's enough Muslim to, enough for, uh, Muslim for us enough. to fucking be freaked out around here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they question her refugee status for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other thing that's funny, I think, is our healthcare system. When people yeah. that have lived abroad in other developed countries, um, have to experience this healthcare system. That makes them want to, you know, I just saw on the Daily Show, Trevor yeah, Noah. Trevor Noah. He was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people, man? Like, this yeah. is barbaric. And he's, and he's all set. Yeah, you know, he's, he's got Cadillac coverage. Yeah, yeah he's actually yeah. got healthcare and, yeah. and gainfully employed. I, I hope, I hope they're paying him a couple bucks. Yeah, that. I imagine. You never know, he is black. <laughs> Do it for the exposure, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, funny, something we talked about on my podcast. I uh, know, but the Klugman episode, I did want to say that he was an interesting guy to talk to. The whole idea of the show is uh, I was in, I think you know, I was in a PhD program for uh, 48 hours once. <laughs> I, uh, think I, I think I actually uh, contributed to you that. You did, you did. If you, I, want, if you I, want that money back, by the way. I think you, you owe know. me like a 16th of a credit, man. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I found out how expensive the program was and left 48 <laughs> hours later. But in the time I was there, I got a lot of knowledge. And I oh, consider great. myself kind of a doctor now. Yeah. It's an honorary. Um, uh, ABD, all but this uh, dissertation, right? Yeah. yeah. On Facebook, I can say, um, you know, studied transformational studies at CIAS. Yeah, you know, it's like me being a nominee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have had a longer role in that film than I actually had in my PhD program. <laughs> I intend to go back, but... Uh, it was in transformational studies, right? And I've been yeah. super interested in, uh, super interested, listen to me, in transformation lately. That's why I went into the program. And uh, the reason I'm interested in it, so the, the whole goal of the show is to talk to people that have uh, experienced some kind of suffering. It doesn't have to be suffering, but have gone through some kind of intense life experience. It could be a joyous one, but usually it's suffering and loss. Uh, but then they've... They've not stayed in the victim stance. They've not stayed helpless, but they've actually done something to turn that into 
meaning and power for their life, right? right? And so all of the interviews center around that idea. I'm trying to find people that have done that, that have experienced something, again, usually traumatic, uh, and, and been able to turn that around. Because it's a topic I, I find interesting for a whole number of reasons that I'd be happy to tell you, but one reason that I find it interesting is that, you know, what your next book is about is that we're we're coming to the end of something and the beginning of something else in our species. And there's going to be, a, there, there already are, and there's going to continue to be a lot of changes in our world, uh, uh, environmentally, first and foremost, and then after that, socioeconomically and culturally. And I'm interested in getting narratives out there to people of how people have overcome struggle and used it to make new, beautiful things out of their lives and right. how they can work together or work individually to do that because more struggles are coming and people are going to have to, after that, turn yeah. the, that stuff into something beautiful, into right. something meaningful. And so I'm trying to get that that narrative out there and trying to get the narrative out there that, especially in, in a, a political environment in America where everyone is really encouraged just to trumpet their victimization but not look for solutions. Trumpet. Yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> Trump <laughs> it. There, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to fight against that tide. You know what I yeah. mean? The show's not political, really. We don't deal with political topics, but I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that story. And Klugman was a really interesting one because his, you know, the legacy of his dad. I spent so much time in the interview with him talking about his father because he kind of grew up in the, when you to be the kid of a Hollywood actor. You know, it's a weird thing because when you're a kid, you're supposed to be getting all the attention, but everywhere you go, your dad gets the attention. You know what I mean? And he's always away, and he's always working, and he's on TV, yeah. and it's a very kind of self-obsessed world. And then you're this child of that, and a lot of Hollywood kids are untethered, and they just start yeah. doing dope and fucking off their lives. And, and you're never going to live up to that. You're never going to, like, be bigger than dad. You yeah, know? exactly. Unless you're Michael Douglas, and even then you're, you know, spinning your wheels. Yeah, you know? Kirk Douglas was the guy apparently that brought that Trumbo guy back to work. Yeah, and, and, I, I just read about that recently. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, because there's a movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah with uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah, exactly. But I guess yeah. Kirk Douglas, uh, I guess the guy wrote like Spartacus. Spartacus, yeah. And he yeah. said uh, he had been writing movies that were winning Academy Awards, but he was writing them under these pseudonyms, and so the the, the movie would win best screenplay for this guy Joe Smith and no one would pick the award up because no one knew who it was uh, that won the award and, yeah. uh, but Douglas said I'm going to put Trumbo's name back on the screen and that broke the, the blacklist yeah. yeah and he had all his money in this movie too Kirk Douglas he's good he for him man. Financed it, so he had a lot you know of one thing like that matters more than anything else in, in someone's life I think I think you know? so too at that moment where you're Water like shit. fuck it I'm going to fuck that yeah. you know I'm going to do the right thing here I don't give a shit you might get one moment like that in your life, and you, if you make the right choice, it doesn't matter how much you fucked up otherwise. Yeah. At least not to me. Right? <laughs> and who gives a shit what I think? Hey, man. <laughs> so, uh, so tell, tell us about some of the other guests you've had. Uh, okay, yeah. We had um, uh, uh, Wendy, Brian and Wendy Froud. This which, is funny. I, I Suddenly I feel like this is an actual late night talk show. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like you've got a show. Yeah, yeah. You come on my show to show, talk yeah, about exactly, your show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Kimmel and uh, who am I? Like, we're exactly. Ron Fallon and you're yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah, so, not Seth Rogen, Seth uh, Myers. Oh, uh, yeah. Who are these guys now? Yeah, there's all the SNL crew. But yeah. We had Brian and Wendy Froud. That was really interesting. Wendy was the... Uh, they call her the mother of Yoda. She's the puppeteer that actually fabricated the Yoda puppet and helped work it on the How the Empire fuck did Strikes you get Back. that? Like, 
That's a fascinating story. And Brian's her husband, and Brian's uh, probably the most celebrated uh, fairy artist in the in the on the planet. And the two of them. Well, leave. a lot of artists are fairies, though. That's true. That's true. Ayo, <laughs> 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 including that guy that played piano for you alone. That's pretty gay. I didn't want to say it, but. <laughs> and then I sucked his dick. Yeah, I was going to say it in the rest of the story. <laughs> there's anything wrong I with love that. Chopin. <laughs> Got to get me some more Chopin. Put on another aria. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Can I edit this out? So. Yeah, edit that out. Yeah, just leave the Baroque thing in, would you? I believe that music is called cuneiform. <laughs> so anyway, anyway your uh, fairy artist. Well, yeah, my fairy artist. Uh, they worked on the Dark Crystal together and made all the puppets, that movie. They worked on uh, Labyrinth. Dark Crystal. Was that about meth? Henson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, Labyrinth, that movie, that Henson movie with David Bowie, uh, and so they were really they worked with Jim Henson a lot back in the day, right. and then also with George Lucas, and it was really interesting hearing them compare the kind of you know the kind of artist Jim Henson was versus the kind of <laughs> guy funny. that Lucas was. And, yeah, you wouldn't think of those two people in the same yeah, sentence. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Uh, but they uh, they were badass. How did how did that get that? It was funny. So she, uh, their son. I don't. Do you remember the movie Labyrinth? David Bowie was in it. Never saw it. Oh, it was, yeah. It was, I don't. Uh, I don't really like fantasy not, fairy movies. Please, God, don't. No, I hope no one. You don't have any listeners. Uh, it was a terrible movie. I hope they don't hear this. Oh, oh I was kidding. Okay. You have millions of listeners, but uh, I was making a joke because I was about to say a horrible. When, when you watch it now, it doesn't hold up. I don't have but, millions of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing here? Then I thought I was going to get a bomb after time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, she was coming to town for. Um, to get some award or uh, achievement, a woman in, in film, right, in working in special effects. Yeah. And I sent an email to them and said, uh, hey, uh, you know, I got this podcast. Uh, can I interview you while you're here? And they wrote back and said, sure. And the funny thing about it was um, I didn't have a website yet. Like, I had re- literally just started the show. I had done the Klugman interview but I hadn't even built the thing on Squarespace. I didn't have... I, they, so if you looked me up, you would find maybe those episodes where, where I was on with you, but you wouldn't find the show that I was telling them that I hosted that I right. was coming to interview. But they invited me to their son's house they, they, who lives out uh, west Beaverton area. And I opened the door and I come traipsing in with uh, with my producer. And I, and I was laughing about it later because I said, they don't, you know, if you just tell people you got a show, Many people will give you access to their lives and then they'll invite you into their house. I mean, they, I could have killed them and taken taking everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, I just wrote them on the on the web and said, "Hey, I got this." Podcast. Yeah, they didn't even like you? check you out because if they had, they, they would have, have yeah. seen you were full of shit. They would have seen yeah. I was full of shit. Right? Well, you know, I go into bookstores a lot uh-huh. and offer to sign our book, and yeah. no one ever asked me for ID. Really? So you could like go in and say, yeah, you know, I'm. That's pretty cool. Anybody, you know, I'm I'm uh, Herman Melville. Would you like me to sign all those copies? Yeah, exactly. I'm not dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe that one. Should more. do that. Should David do that. Foster Wallace. Right? Yeah, that's me. Sure, I'll sign that. I should go in and just say I'm J.K. Rowling. <laughs> or that broad, JK, why yeah, not, JK, right? or that broad that wrote Fifty, 50 Shades. Shades. Right? That's me. I'll, I'll sign. What are you doing? I'm signing, signing my book. book. <laughs> it's your problem. <laughs> so, so I've just realized, like, since we're like making this into a late night talk show, mm-hmm. the the initial idea we had was that we were going to record this and then we were both going to release it as a podcast. Yeah. But now that I'm asking you all these questions about your podcast, it doesn't really make sense. So why don't we'll we'll just keep talking for a while yeah. and then we'll stop and then we'll flip it and you'll 
you'll it'll be your podcast. Then. Oh, that's interesting. Instead okay. of the same file in both. Uh, sure. Does yeah, that, that make sense? Because yeah. it doesn't make sense for you to have a podcast episode where you and I are talking about your podcast. Probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, the thing is, I'm only going to have like two more interesting things to say. <laughs> Just think it out loud here. I'll go through that Baroque shit and we can fuck that up. <laughs> Exactly. Like, who else have we had? So, uh, you know, we had on recently, um, who was awesome, was a guy named Mark Schultz. And uh, Rogan probably knows him because mm. Mark uh, was is uh, one of the most decorated U.S. wrestlers of all time. He and his brother Dave um, are, the, are like the most medaled U.S. Uh, like, like Olympic wrestlers ever. Mm. And they, they were the subjects of the book and the film Foxcatcher. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I've never seen the film. Oh, I, yeah. I, I would so like it's, to. It's I think good, man. So Steve Carell plays yeah. John DuPont, the, right. the billionaire who started the facility uh, to train these athletes. And then Channing Tatum plays Mark Schultz. And uh, um, I always forget his name. Uh, it'll come to me. Dave, the guy who plays Dave Schultz, is the one who was killed. Mm. Um, Mark Ruffalo oh, plays really? him, and uh, it was oh, a true thanks. story. Well, now I guess I won't bother watching it. Since yeah, I know oh, Mark yeah. Ruffalo gets killed. <laughs> yeah, he definitely dies. <laughs> Sorry about that. Spoiler a, alert. Yeah, it was a true. It was a big thing back when it happened. It's uh, a true story. Yeah, and what it was based on it was how uh, amateur athletes for a long time in the United States were put in this really precarious position, right? Because they weren't allowed to make money. Right, Olympic athletes weren't allowed to make money as a, in athletics. They had to be amateur, right? right? Which means they couldn't make money. So, when when they were in college, it was fine because they could be sort of funded by the school, and the school, mm. the school would give them a place to live and meals and stuff, and then they could train, right? But once they got out of school, these guys would have like you got you got if you're an Olympic wrestler, you got to train you know eight ten hours a day, but then you have to like drive a cab or like. Right deliver papers or work in a bar or something in order to make money. And so these guys were just living in abject poverty. Um, and then this mental patient, DuPont, sets up a facility on his on his ranch. And he was bent to begin with, but he basically was like, hey, come, you can live here for free. It's a state-of-the-art facility. He was paying these guys. And so he basically took advantage of a lot of young men that just didn't have any other option because they couldn't, they were fucking dirt poor. And, and so, he was sexually abusing Um The film makes it makes it seem like that's what was up, that he acted like he was into wrestling so he could come roll around on the floor with the guys. And when I asked Schultz about that, he got kind of weird about that in, in, in our conversation. and was like, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit, and kind of got real standoffish. And so oh, really? I didn't want to get punched in the face, so I backed off of it. But... Uh, something was going on in DuPont's mind. He told me that DuPont was a was eunuched, that he fell off one of his mother's horses onto the fence post, and it took his balls and took his junk right what? off when he was like eleven. Oh my! And he said he never told anybody that, but he had told him and a few other people, and he told us on the show. Wow! About it. So that was really interesting. How the hell so, did you get that interview? Um, <clears throat> same thing. I wrote him and said, "Hey, I got the show and." Uh, I might have dropped your name, but I don't know. I mean, and they were in town here. Uh, he lives in uh, like Southern Oregon somewhere. So uh-huh. I just had to set it up. Wow! So um, you, you drove down, or no, did no, you do no. A- uh, uh, with him, we did a phone interview uh-huh. actually, but uh-huh. I still was afraid of getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, he um, so he left, and then his brother stayed there doing training, and then Dupont ended up killing the guy, killing his brother, and then right after that, Mark Schultz went and. Uh, Went into the became a UFC fighter, and back in the days before mm. there were any rules, there was like three rules, and they were any money, fights. yeah, or any money, yeah. And he uh, 
he was training with a guy, and the guy broke his hand at the last minute. The, the guy was supposed to have one, one of these pay-per-view fights, and so he stepped in the day before and went in and beat the guy mm. um, in a minute and a half or something. But it was back when it was fucking brutal. It's still brutal, but it was back when there was really no no rules in the thing. Before they let girls in. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that Ronda Rousey fight? <clears throat> I didn't, but I read about it. Holy shit. Did you watch it? Yeah. Was it brutal? It was. Something weird about seeing women beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, it freaks me out a little bit, too. Or did it turn you on? Or no, what? no, it doesn't turn me on at all. Although both, I mean, you know, Ronda Rousey's hot, mm-hmm. for sure. A lot of those women are hot. There was a Canadian in the fight before that who was smoking. And really? then, like, and then her, you know, she just got so beat up and, like, blood and her eye was all gouged. And, like, Jesus, that's a horrible thing to do to a beautiful person, but... I guess some no of the shit. some of the men are beautiful too before they get in there. I don't I Yeah, mean, but they're dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just something weird about I mean, I you know, maybe I'm showing my uh you know, middle aged male bullshit here, but it just feels weird to feel you know, see women punching each punching other. Punching each other, yeah. He had some interesting things to say, this guy Schultz, about Title Nine. And it's weird because my you know, probably I you know, I probably have a couple of hundred listeners at this point, but uh most of them fall in these categories that we've been trashing for the past hour, right? People, all right, that identify. <laughs> so good. This will be this'll my This will be your podcast. show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll come back. Yeah. We'll, come, we'll drink some more tea and yeah. we'll come back and be very... <laughs> PC. Correct yeah. and careful. No, no. Boring, in other words. To cultivate your listenership. Yeah, no thanks. They'll so, be fine. So is your thing on, on iTunes now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud which is a great app. I don't know if you use it or know it, but it's no. a pretty cool player. Yeah, I know too. it. I know it. Yeah. Um, is that where you host? Uh, I do it through Squarespace. and then uh, Oh, you host it on Squarespace? Yeah, so people can get it, right? Like, there's a... Because you can, you can like, thread in a player. Yeah. And so they can just go to our page, which is on theblockradio.com, right. and then they can... And the episodes page, they can just click and listen there, and they can also download the episodes there. And you, But you upload it to... To Squarespace, yeah, as a sound file. Mm-hmm. If you get a lot more listeners, that's yeah. going to be an issue. No, no, I uh, no, I just thread in the SoundCloud uh, file. I just, oh, I so just, you host I it just, on SoundCloud? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. right, yeah, that's better. And then iTunes. I tried iTunes hosting on RSS. Squarespace for a while, and it blew up. It's choppy. It, yeah, yeah, and if you get more than like you know, I don't know five hundred people or something, it just it, it freezes because they're not set up for that kind of traffic. But yeah, SoundCloud I've heard is is a good way to go these days. Yeah, and it's like they got a great phone app too for folks that you can you know easily move through. You can listen to shit while you're doing other stuff on your phone. Right. right. iTunes doesn't let you do that. I don't think yeah. on most iPhones. iPhones are what I've heard about them is you can only do one thing at a time. So if you're listening to something and then you want to minimize it and text somebody, it won't do that. Mm. I think that's a weird design flaw. It is weird. What the fuck they were thinking with that? The fuck, Steve Jobs? That's yeah, your right. genius. What <laughs> he kind made of nine fucking movies genius? about this asshole. Well, he was Syrian. You know. <laughs> was he? Those Arabs. Yeah, no, Steve Jobs was. You know, you haven't seen those things like. You know, it's it's the typical Facebook meme where, yeah. like, oh, you're d- bad-mouthing Syrian refugees. Well, Steve Jobs was a Syrian refugee, and Jerry Seinfeld, you know, not refugee, but, you yeah. know, ethnically Syrian. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's a Syrian, too, huh? Yeah. I, I think most Syrian of the people Jew. that hate Syrians also hate Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think that's going to win folks over in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking of ISIS. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> what does ISIS think of Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're too Have we ever thought about ISIS? <laughs> What's the deal with that? 
We're laughing about ISIS. Yeah, that's not a, permitted. No holds barred here on the, oh on my the program. Oh, my God. That is not We've had permitted. some other great folks on the show, man. We had a guy named David Gonzalez, who is a performer, a spoken word artist. He's been at, like, the Kennedy Center, uh, Lincoln Center, Carnegie Hall. Right. So he came on and we talked to him. We had Cindy Sheehan on last week. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. Cindy Sheehan. We to talk to her for Would a little she, while. Wait, now tell me again who she is. I know her name. But... So her son, Casey, was killed in Iraq in 2004. Oh, that's and then right. she started the uh, that Camp Casey out in front of the Crawford, out in front of Bush's compound. Right, okay. And then it's yeah, been yeah. kind of a, you know, one of the faces of the anti-war movement pretty much since then. And mm. I found some great audio of David Letterman and Bill O'Reilly arguing about her, and Letterman was taking him to task for for giving her shit, basically. Like, how could you fucking oppose a woman yeah. <laughs> that's just mad about her kid being killed? What's right. wrong with you? you know? and, yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. So, yeah, we're getting off the ground. Uh, Stanley's agreed to come on in the coming weeks. Oh, good. And um, Are you going to do a phone thing with him? Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it over the phone. Yeah, Stanley's wonderful. The more the more we can get him recorded, the better, I think. Just, mm-hmm. you know, get him, get his stories down somewhere. We don't know how long old Stanley's going to be around. He's, yeah. God, he's like 86 now or something. Is he really? Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah, I'm hoping to see him uh, when we leave Portland, head down That's to cool. San Francisco and catch him. <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, well, why don't we wrap? We're, we've been doing this an hour, so why don't we uh, wrap this, and then we'll, uh, people who want to hear the rest of this sordid, ridiculous conversation can go to... Come on uh, over to On the Block Radio. On the Block Radio. It's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. What's the man. website? www.ontheblockradio.com. I don't think you need to say <laughs> Yeah, right, right, exactly. You what about on my plug. Man. No, is there an HTTP before <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, HTTP <laughs> colon. <laughs> Double backslash. backslash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so ontheblockradio.com. Yeah, speaking of colon, can I get that guy to advertise those shit pills on my show maybe? I mean, I'll give him a free ad. I just want to... Yeah, that, that'd be a great ad. Brought to you by right. Shit Pills. Shit pills. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe hey, you shove can... it up your ass, <laughs> buddy. No, really, it'll help. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, you're Long Island doctor, right? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, hey, bend over. Yeah. I got I got what I'll clean up. I'll fix your problem. I'll fix your, your C. <laughs> C. Difficile. Yeah, they also call oh. it C. Diff. C diff. I'll fix your C diff. Well, you should you should get him on the podcast. He's a really <clears throat> smart guy. Yeah. Very very interesting. He's a naturopathic doctor. He's got an office up on Alberta. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I was going to ask. He's an actual doctor. He's not just a guy that. No, no I'm going to get in on this on the ground floor. Literally. Yeah, I got some good shit here. Yeah. Hey, buddy, come here. <laughs> you looking for shit pills? You come around here. <laughs> you got a trunk. You know, he opens it up in the suitcase. Uh, Oh, What's the underground shit market these days? Well, the pro- you know, you do have to, there are shit um, providers. Yeah. You know, and so it's very important, like if you've traveled internationally, and they say th- that they don't want people who've traveled internationally mm. because they don't want someone who's picked up some, you know, pathogen. Yeah. But there was a great article, I actually linked to it on Facebook, you know, whatever it was, six months ago. Um, about a guy who's in this. This is a whole, like, there's a whole world about this stuff. I'm reading a book now called uh, The, uh, what's it called? The the Something of Absence, The, the Epidemic of Absence, I think mm. it's called. And this all goes back to the hygiene hypothesis, right? That we've killed all the potential, like, germs in our environment. 
uh, with all these antibacterial soap yeah, and, and sterilizing Purell, this all and all shit, that, yeah. right? And antibiotics mm-hmm. and our food supply, right. and, and we don't let kids play outside anymore. And so what happens is the immune system then doesn't have its sort of natural learning process and it ends up turning against the body. And so mm. we end up with all these autoimmune disorders wow. like Crohn's disease and asthma and um, allergies mm. and all, all sorts of shit, right? And so it's, you know, out of balance. It's We're fucking up the natural world yeah. trying to kill all our enemies. And mm-hmm. all that does is creates bigger problems, right, you know, right. which we could apply to foreign policy. We could yeah. apply it to, you know, campus politics. Yeah, we could apply the shit. same line of thinking and everything. Um. But um, anyway, so there was this article about this guy um, who's a microbiologist who was living with, I think it was the Hadza people in Tanzania who are a hunter-gatherer, one of the few remaining truly hunter-gatherer people in the world. And uh, he, I don't remember how he got it, but he got some shit from them and blasted it up his own ass because he wanted to... uh, colonize his own gut with... First guy that thought of this, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was not doing it for medical purposes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> well, that was a bonus. <laughs> I, I write about this in, in Civilized to Death. There's yeah. uh, a woman who for years, uh, Dominguez Bello, I think is her last name. She's a Venezuelan doctor who um, you know, hikes back into the Amazon and collects turds, hunter-gatherer turds, wow. and then does a microanalysis in a lab of you know, what's living in them mm-hmm. versus what's living in us. Yeah. And it's completely fucked way up. Way better, yeah. Right. Way better, way more diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more, because um, what happens is the microbes break down the food that you eat and then what the microbes produce often is what your body actually uses. Mm. So they're part of the digestive process, yeah, yeah. right? And so because this sort of natural paleo diet of actual hunter-gatherers is extremely high in fiber, yeah. you get a lot of different types of microbes that uh, break down fiber. Mm-hmm. And then they produce um, chemicals that are much better for our health. Wow. And uh, they're anti-inflammatory. Whereas the stu- like the microbes that break down the sugars and the fats, which are mainly what our diet is, mm-hmm. and carbs... Yeah produce something that um, produces um, chronic inflammation. Which just leads to cancers and all kinds of blood Everything. everything It leads to everything bad. Yeah. You know, chronic pain Mm -hmm. and uh, everything. Um, Obesity. A lot of times, like, people have trouble losing weight. It's not because they're, like, sneaking into the kitchen and eating ice cream every Mm -hmm. night. It's because they don't have the the right microbiota to break stuff down in a way that is efficient for their body. Wow. So like if you've got the wrong intestinal fauna, you can still eat fewer calories and you won't lose weight. Maybe so that's my problem. It's really well, – that, seriously, yeah, every no, time I come yeah. to America, mm-hmm. I gain weight. Wow. Now, partly it's because plates are bigger, the you know, mm-hmm. beer's bigger. Everything. Yeah. But also – and you don't walk as much. But I think partly it's because the, the microbiota changes – like my, and I don't, I don't mean to gross anyone out, but when I come to America, my shit smells different. Mm-hmm. I can tell right away, you know, farts smell different. Yeah. Everything's different. We're gassy people. <laughs> gassy, but it's a different yeah. type. It, it just, yeah. it smells, there's something Process. different. There's some chemical change. Um, I used to think it was, actually the first time I noticed it was years ago because I used to fly 
San Francisco, uh, Barcelona several times a year when I was in grad school. And you notice the first thing that's weird is your gut when you travel. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. thought it was the flight. I thought like, oh, when I fly, I get this weird thing. But mm-hmm. then I noticed no, it's not when I fly. It's when I'm in America. Mm. It's a weird thing, yeah. So anyway, if you'd like to hear us talk more about the smell of our feces, yeah, we'll pick this up in the second hour. You got to come over to on the block for hour two. I like that. We've we we branded that in real time on the block radio. Before you can yeah. go off uh-huh. of this, there's yeah. one more question for your sure. show because okay. I can never get get away with this on my program. Oh, okay. Um, that lady that sold the jugs of piss, uh, the, the the humiliatrix, so yeah. she's been onto something. A lot of her clients might. Might have like, I mean, depending on what they've been doing with that piss, if they've been ingesting it, you know, and these guys are probably like leading the. These might be our specimens, ironically. Yeah. Well, I actually asked Mark Davis about that, yeah. and um, he said that he tried uh, a piss transplant, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. Whoa. Um, but it involved like catheters. Hey, and, yo, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought piss was sterile. I'd been operating under the assumption that piss was sterile, but he told me that's not true. Really? Yeah. I got to start boiling my piss before I drink it. Well, or I don't know, unfiltered. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in one of those Brita bottles. <laughs> All right, um, anyway, edit that part out too. <laughs> It'll be four minutes exactly, of this. <laughs> exactly. The unedited Andy Gurovich. So, uh, well, this is probably the last time you'll be on the podcast for a while, man, unless you're going to come to Spain and visit us I there. I'm going to come to Spain. Are you? I'm going to come in, in the summer of 2016, actually, but I don't know if you guys are going to be there then. Yeah, well, that's next summer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. going to try to come then. Oh, cool, um, cool. I've been dying to get back to Europe. I just haven't been able to put it together. But I want to go there, and I want to go to Switzerland, and we have some friends in Norway that I want to see, too. So I'm trying to spend, like, a It's going to be expensive. There. That's the problem. Yeah. You're going to, like, Spain's cool, but those other two are very expensive yeah. places. Yeah. Well, we have friends in Norway we can stay with, but well, it's expensive cool. to get up there and to and yeah. then buy things. It's not. I, I mean, flights aren't expensive. Yeah. It's it's being there. But yeah. if you're staying with friends, mm-hmm. then whatever you buy groceries, you're cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be good. All right, cool. Well, then uh, next time we'll do this in Spain, I That'd guess. Be awesome. If not, we'll do it by Skype. What the fuck? Google Hangout or some shit. Yeah, yeah. When you All run right. low on interesting people to talk to, you call and come back on. <laughs> yeah, that'll be our pact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when, when you hit a dead zone, give I'm kind of call. an F. Whoa! I almost kicked your thing right onto the floor. I'm kind of an F-list celebrity. So <laughs> F-list. Yeah. How, how many how many letters does it go to? Well, I thought it was only uh, you know D or C-list. Like Kathy Griffin was the. The bottom, but then I'm figuring oh, out. Oh, does she, does she <laughs> consider herself the bottom? Yeah, she did, but she's way more famous. I don't know. She's on with fucking Anderson Cooper at New Year's Eve. Yeah, how, exactly. That's, that's baller. That's pretty high, I would yeah, say. Yeah, she's made it. She has to stop. How come Anderson Cooper gets two last names and I only get three first names? <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about like how much money my family had. Do you know he comes from uh, do you know his the Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt family, He's a fucking man. Vanderbilt. He's a Vanderbilt, yeah. man. His mother... You probably don't remember this, yeah. but his mother briefly was very famous for her designer jeans. Yes, I do. Oh, you yeah, know absolutely. That Gloria Vanderbilt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those legacy families, man. They're uh, they're not happy. I did a. I've been working on a project uh, about Astoria, Oregon, and you know the Astors and then the, the Flavels, like these these billionaire families that become recluses. They inbreed. Um, that was DuPont's big thing. He wanted all of his. He wanted to sort of preserve his family line, so he encouraged all the family to inbreed, and that's what led to this crazy fuck. Seriously, and ended up shooting Dave Schultz. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, 
to inbreed. Yeah, that all the cousins and he wanted the family to kind of stay insular. And well, that's weird because I mean they, they wanted knew. to dilute the fortune. Yeah, well, then just fucking marry uh, Rockefeller. Other, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they got it, other rich people. Isn't that what Harvard is all about? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a exactly. fucking, you know, mating program for rich people. For the, for the 1%. Yeah, Princeton. Go I to Princeton. <laughs> well, that's what I hear. Yeah, they, no, they don't let people in who have all first names. You know, Christopher right. Patrick Ryan. No, hey, that's, that's there's no last name here. Come yeah. on. You know, it's too Irish. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, man. It's been really awesome actually being on the show. I'm not trying to go. I'm just saying before you like take me off. No, it's just funny, like to to say, yeah, it was great having you, in, and then I'll push a button, and then we'll be, <laughs> we'll <still> be talking. <laughs> so let's let's not lie. We're going to keep yeah, talking. Exactly. We're just going to do it over at over uh, on, the the radio, on, on the, the block radio on the block radio Thanks to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear, "Smoke Alarm," which reminds you. To carpe fucking diem because you're gonna die one day. He said, Baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day body is an animal doesn't ask for much a little music and a soft touch why don't you let it out to play your heart is in a birdcage singing in your chest you want to shut it up but give it a rest you're gonna die one day about a reputation running from a confrontation wondering what we ought to say <laughs> when everyone we've ever known is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away but we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day Baby, what's a big deal If you wanna be free Say what you wanna feel Spend the night with me I'm gonna take you up in my arms And if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground